This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Good afternoon and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox and in just a few moments, Drs. Faraj Eder and Rana Tarzamani from BC Perio will join us with news from the world of dentistry. And in our second hour, trustee Ilya Margolis from BDL First Call returns with practical talk about debt solutions. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. School has been in session for a few weeks now and already the first set of marks are in. And, well, they're our marks. Moms and dads and caregivers who drive our kids to and from school every day and and all of the rest of us who drive through school zones every day. And, frankly... Our marks are really awful. We got a C- minus overall, but actually flunked in a couple of categories. BCAA was the marker in its annual school zone safety survey this week, which included school employees as well. We got an F for both illegal parking and unsafe drop-offs. Those happen when parents either allow or encourage kids to cross unsafely. We got two Ds in both lane blocking and school zone speeding. So did we do anything well? Well, B- CAA says our behavior has improved as we swear and yell less at each other these days. Also, we bees off the horn and honk less than we used to. Unfortunately, the survey also shows distracted driving and cell phone use is still happening, although on a reduced scale. So this isn't about shaming anyone, say the survey people. It's just a necessary reminder every fall to slow down, park legally, and keep our kids safe. And if you need a little extra encouragement, the fine for speeding in a school zone starts at 196 bucks plus three demerit points. Our last story about employment in Kelowna a couple of weeks ago was not a good one. It dealt with a mill closure and the loss of 175 jobs. Well, we're lucky to have a much better employment story for our friends in Kelowna this week as Rogers Communications announced it will open a customer call center in Kelowna next summer. And that project should include about 350 jobs. The center will handle calls from Rogers and Fido users and they say they'll get a million of them once they open up. All things be equal, Rogers says the job ranks could eventually grow to 500 workers. It's not doing a thing for our forestry sector, but good job opportunities can lift a whole town sometimes. The new call center will be in Kelowna's landmark district and hiring begins in the spring. News from the Harvard School of Public Health this week about coffee, one of those substances that had, well, it's had its ups and downs with the medical establishment over the year. It's been both good for you and really bad for you at various times over the last couple of decades. Well, it's good again, according to a new study that looked into the whole body benefits of coffee. And apparently, coffee contains so many antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, and other beneficial elements, it has a positive effect on the risk of a variety of conditions and diseases, including brain health and weight control. That includes decaf, too, as only the caffeine is removed in that case. And yes, adding cream and sugar does knock down some of the benefits, but it doesn't eliminate them. Here's the survey's bottom line. In general, people can safely consume up to 400 milligrams of caffeine per day, the amount in somewhere between two to four eight-ounce cups of coffee. For some, too much coffee irritates the stomach, causes anxiety or the jitters, disrupts sleep, and increases the frequency of heart palpitations. Three or more cups a day appears to trigger migraines in people prone to them. So, moderation is the key. 
My cutoff is noon, usually after two cups of black coffee per day. If I have coffee afternoon, I'm awake till next Tuesday. Consumer Reports has news this weekend that high-end manufacturer ASCO has recalled 30,000 dishwashers in Canada and the United States because the power cords can overheat, posing a fire hazard. The company has received 53 reports of power cords overheating, although there have been no reported injuries or property damages. ASCO says the hazard is related to a possible fault in the power cable and could occur only when the dishwasher is in operation, not when it's sitting idle. The recall involves 15 models sold from October 2016 through last July, the tab somewhere between one and 2,000 bucks. I did say they were high end. You can find the whole list of model numbers on the Consumer Product Safety Commission website. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this lovely Saturday afternoon. I mean, it's just a gorgeous day in Vancouver. It is hard to imagine that right now at this very moment, it's snowing and minus three in downtown Calgary. So, hey, ain't Vancouver swell in a last weekend of summer? Uh, two guests in studio from the world-class dentists at BC Perio with uh, clinics in Vancouver on West Broadway and in Coquitlam on Johnson Street. A pleasure to welcome back Dr. Faraj Eder, who is uh, with us again after a few visits over the years. Welcome back, Faraj. Thanks, Sterling. I'm really happy to be here again. Well, it's good to have you with us. And, and uh, we have, for the first time from BC Perio, uh, Dr. Rana Tarzamani. Welcome, Rana. It's a pleasure to have you with us on the program as well. Thank you so much. Pleasure is all mine. Well, you're now you're a, you're a kind of a part-time person at BC Perio because you not only work in the trenches in the clinic, predominantly in the Coquitlam location, but also you're a researcher and a teacher out at UBC in the School of Dentistry, that's from which obviously you graduated, right? Yes, that's correct. So how did that work? How did you graduate and then get invited back to become part of the staff? Well, I did my dual degree program and um, periodontics and PhD in wound healing at school at UBC, um, graduated, and then uh, I wanted to pursue my research. So I went back as a postdoctoral fellow and also a postdoctoral, um, well, research and teaching fellow, and I'm continuing my work with them. Interesting. What sort of research are you doing? So during my PhD, I focused on the molecular uh, biology of the oral wound healing, which is basically scarless wound healing, and it's more of a regeneration than repair when it's compared to skin. And uh, now I'm focusing on how with uh, modulating inflammation, we can treat uh, periodontitis, which is basically a periodontal disease. Okay, so you're a, peri- you're a, a prosthodontist. That's me. Oh, that's you. So you're a periodontist. I'm a periodontist. Now, you see, I'm easily confused when I'm surrounded by professionals, especially from the world-class team at BC Perio. So tell me. Well, it kind of does, Faraj. So, Rana, tell us first what you do, and then, Faraj, you can explain the difference and tell us what you do. First, though, to you. So periodontist is a person that is dealing with the gum and bone disease. Well, well, periodontal disease usually is is an inflammatory disease around the teeth that involves bone and soft tissue gums and a periodontist is trying to uh, basically treat that uh, that problem okay so do most people by the way have some form of periodontal disease 
in their lifetimes. Is that a pretty common human condition? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the new research shows that more than 50% of the adult population are dealing with periodontal disease. Interesting. And you were talking about wound healing in, mm-hmm. in, in your PhD mm-hmm. dissertation. Uh, is that like, you were talking about oral wounds. So is that how to get better after an extraction, those kinds of things? Yeah. And like, um, not just the extraction. Um, if let's say I'm doing a surgery and I'm raising a, flag, a flap and I'm like cutting the gum. So, so um, after uh, we suture it, like those wounds, they're gonna like heal, right? Sure, right. So, or like when we harvest a, a graft from, let's say, palate, um, it's the type of the healing that usually happens in oral cavity. It's kind of like different from like, especially from skin. It's because more of a complete healing rather than um, a healing that um, leaves a scar behind. And in such a hypersensitive part of the body, too, in the mouth, Absolutely. where everything is just so amplified because. Mm-hmm. Well, it's our mouth, for crying out loud. We feel every little thing. Faraj, explain the difference between what Rana does and what you do professionally. So I'm a prosthodontist, and the word prosthodontist comes from prosthetics. So I'm a specialized dentist focusing on all the prosthetics that go in the mouth, whether that's for functional purposes, so dentures and crowns and bridges, or to give people back missing teeth utilizing dentures or implants, or cosmetic purposes where people are unhappy with their smiles and we're using some sort of prosthetic to improve that for them. So I primarily focus on the restorative part of the treatment, whereas I work with Dr. Tarzamani, who focuses on the surgical side of the treatment and treating periodontal disease. Do you find, uh, Dr. Tarzamani, that you get a lot of referrals from other dentists who perhaps come across a situation that's just a little beyond their scope in terms of the required uh, attention that this particular person, this patient, this this condition needs, and the, the dentist, the family dentist says, no, I, I think this is a little above my pay grade. I'm going to refer you along. Does that happen? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like most of our like patients are basically referral-based, so they are coming from the general dentist that um, um, they know that it's it's uh, basically the scope of like perio work or like Pause work, so that's why they refer to a specialist. Okay, how many of you are there, Farage, down at BC Perio, uh, uh, involved? Because you've got so many different special specialists, and and we talked last year about the lab and all the new digital production work that's coming along. And you're saying since. You were last, you or, or Bobby or Ron or any of the team is here at, been here at NW. Things have really come together uh, from a lab perspective at BC Perio. And virtually anything and everything you need is now available on very short notice in-house. Yes. So in terms of the BC Perio team, we've got quite a comprehensive team. We have six specialized dentists and we primarily focus on the perio aspect of things the surgical aspect of things and then the restorative aspect of things so we have a group of specialized dentists that um, allow us to conduct really complex treatments that require this sort of interdisciplinary cooperation and then as you mentioned we have an in-house lab with uh, angus berry and sare who run that lab they're the dental technicians that are there and what that allows us to do is have the tools in-house to not only treat the patient where they're sitting in the chair and we're working on their teeth but then also control the quality of the work that's being made especially when it comes to prosthetics that's going to give them back their teeth and function and smile so and 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 you talked about crowns and you also talked about um uh, dentures and you do both, right? Yeah, we do it all in terms of prosthetics. 
crowns, which uh, which are usually fixed in the mouth, dentures, which are sometimes removable or can be fixed utilizing implants. We do veneers, we do bridges. And the nice thing about having that entire, you know, scope is that it allows us to particularly choose what's best for that patient depending on their unique situation. Mm -hmm. And I suppose the other part about that, Rana, having all of that Mm in-house is uh, if something doesn't quite fit perfectly, Mm -hmm. it can be adjusted and made to fit perfectly in a matter of minutes as opposed to sending it back to wherever it came from and we'll catch up to you in a couple of days and come on back for another fitting. That doesn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. It, it expedites everything. And also the other big advantage of it is that um, since we are basically digitizing everything, we can better pre-plan everything. So minimize all those errors that may happen during the procedure. So it's also a big advantage of having them. Now, another part of the digital uh, aspect of what you do. And Faraj, you've been with us long enough now over the years to know, to be able to, to help us understand how incredibly fast moving dentistry is. A lot of go, dentistry, my gosh, please, I need some sleep. Uh, turn it up. I'll go to, I'll be asleep in five seconds. Not true. It's so fast in dentistry. Things are happening so quickly. And you and your team members from BC Perio literally travel the world teaching other dentists some of the new techniques and methods that, uh, and I know you're back off to Dubai again later on in the, uh, this year. You were just in Chicago. You're going to another conference in, t- in Toronto to be a member of a panel. So talk to us about the digitization of dentistry. Everything from the, the in-house yep. tooth-making stuff to all of the visuals that you can use to help people uh, visualize what it's going to look like after you finish the work, before it even starts. You're absolutely correct. And that's a, um, like you said, a lot of times when we express this information to people who aren't really entrenched in our field, they're surprised that there are so many advancements being made in the dental world. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm really involved in the online community when it comes to talking about this new technology and how it's implemented. And it's pretty amazing for anyone who wonders what it is that's possible utilizing digital technology in the dental world, take a look at at these different things that you can find online. And it's pretty amazing what we can do now, whether it's like you said, fabricating the actual prostheses, the crowns, the dentures, whatever they are, or going back to what Dr. Tarzamani was saying, which is the planning part of things. We're using things like virtual smile design, which Mm -hmm. allows us to, when someone comes in for a cosmetic treatment where they want to improve the way their smile looks, Sure. Before we do anything that's invasive or irreversible, we're able to utilize digital information like 3D scans and photographs and augmented reality in today's world and show them the plan, what we plan on the smile looking like before we've done anything. And you could even show them options, couldn't you? Absolutely. We could do it this way and it'll come out like this and it'll cost that much. Or we could do this approach and it'll cost this much and it'll look like that. And it's it's amazing what it's done to communication. So before before all this digital technology, the only thing a dentist mm-hmm. could do with a patient is verbally explain, maybe show examples of other people right. that doesn't really apply to them and hope that that you know, vision is imagined properly with that person there. Right, you have and the before very, yeah, and after pictures. Those are the only visual aids you yeah, have. And it's very difficult to imagine a lot of times, whereas today we're particularly focused on that unique person and actually showing them in their own mouth, on their own photos, 
different examples, like you said, and getting their input right there and then. You know, I want my teeth to be slightly longer or wider, or I used to have a gap there that I want to get back now. So communication is so much better than it ever was, and it's so much more predictable. You're going to be on a panel in a week or two in Toronto talking about digitization in your business. What's your your assignment on that panel? So the uh, it's it's actually a really interesting event. It's hosted by the Dental Industry Association of Canada, and uh, they're having experts from the field, whether that's representatives from the large companies that are moving forward with this digital technology. Um, we're going to have people present from Health Canada that are involved in regulating these new technologies. Of course, yeah. And then I'm going to be there representing um, clinicians and educators in Canada that are utilizing this technology. So it's really a discussion of. How are we as a profession utilizing this technology to better the treatment of our patients? And also, how are we as educators teaching these technologies to dental students without having them forget the fundamental basics that are also important to know? Interesting. So it's, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting event with an interesting group of people from all the different sectors of the industry. Now, you, Dr. Tarzamani, are still teaching. You are yes. a recent grad. You're working at, at BC Perio a, a couple of days a week, and the rest of your week is taken up with a combination of research Correct. and instruction at the School of Dentistry at UBC. How are you noticing? You're a recent grad. You're a younger person. How are you noticing, even though since you graduated, teaching methods have changed in that short amount of time? Because I'll bet you they have. (laughs) Well, the teaching methods, yeah, they are like um, all the time changing and progressing. Um, It's more of an uh, what we do at UBC. It's a um, problem-based learning, which has been around for a while, but uh, with uh, basically updating the cases and using all these technologies that now has been around and implementing them to the the courses and like to all the cases that we present students with. It's basically um, like students going to benefit from all these advancements uh, that are now part of their teaching curriculum as well. Well, I, I would imagine if, if for no other reason, back to what you were talking about, Faraj, from the point of view of the patient, the, the young clinician having a better ability to explain to the patient mm-hmm. what could happen here, because it's, it's, you, you've been able to, up until this point, only paint whatever visual picture you're capable of. And now you've got technology that literally steps in and goes, no, this is what it's going to look like. Just check this out, right? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's communication and predictability. So being able to show these things and also utilizing this technology to do things in such a precise manner that we were never able to do before. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. It's Sterling Fox along with Drs. Faraj Eder and Rama Tarzmani, a dental surgeon from BC Perio with uh, clinics, by the way, friends, in both Vancouver and in Coquitlam. In Vancouver at 777 West Broadway and in Coquitlam at 1175 John. Johnson Street. Dr. Tazamani, you spend most of your working hours at the Coquitlam Clinic doing dental surgery and dealing a lot with what you described earlier as periodontal disease. And I asked you, well, do most people have that at one point or another during their lives? And you said, yeah. So how do we get over it and not get to the point where we require surgery? 
Yeah, so the uh, most important thing is, um, well, I should start from like the eti- the primary etiology for periodontal disease is the plaque, dental plaque. Okay. So hygiene plays a big role. So with a good home care, with good oral hygiene, and also with the regular dental visits and hygiene appointments. So that's something that, um, uh, first of all, uh, we can like maintain the, the health status of the periodontal tissue. And number two, if there is any disease or any problem going on, it can be addressed soon enough that we can fix it and treat it properly with a good um, outcome with a high success rate, which can like last for a very long time. So a regular maintenance, a regular uh, checkup, your mm-hmm. annual dental checkup for your annual cleaning. Those is, Although people typically will get cleanings more than once a year, but either way, a visit on a more or less regular basis gives a, a, a person with that disease, Dr. Rana, that person has a chance to get uh, get better before they end up well with you (laughs) because you deal with people who didn't address the problem when it was fixable in a relatively easy short-term way and then ultimately they need your services as a dental surgeon that's that's correct yeah so when 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 um, i get to see them is usually it needs uh um most of the time it needs a periodontal therapy which um involves actually surgery Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I was going to ask you, Dr. Redder, uh, about cosmetic dentistry. And I think I've asked you this before, but we haven't seen each other for a few months. So I, I'm going to just plead ignorant and ask it again. For people that you see, what's the percentage of people who come to BC Perio because they have a physical problem? There's, there's, it's painful. They can't eat well. They're, it's, it's just not working. There's something physically wrong versus people who just want their smile back, who just it, it doesn't look right, uh, you know, maybe haven't paid enough attention to it over so many years. And it's just basically cosmetic versus what would you call it? Medical. What's the, what's the percentage split on that? Well, I'd say for me personally, what I focus on are two aspects to things, right? There's the complex reconstructions where, like you said, it's either that they've lost teeth or broken their teeth or um, just can't function properly with their teeth. Mm -hmm. And then we undergo comprehensive reconstructions to give back that function and chewing ability And of course, make things look good, um, whether that's with implants or other means. And I'd say that's 50% of the patients I see. Okay. The other 50% are, they have most of their teeth and they function well, but they've never been or used to be and are no longer happy with their smile and the way it looks. So that's the other 50% of patients that come in for more cosmetic or aesthetic sorts of treatments. And that, I mean, not that the, that the, the, you can pick favorites or anything, but I would imagine, Dr. Tarzamani, someone who comes to you with serious problems mm-hmm. and you're able to provide the surgery necessary and you collaborate with your colleagues like Dr. Edder and you get this person fixed up and back out there with a big smile on his or her face, that's got to be a personally satisfying moment for both of you and all the team absolutely, members, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's your living, but at the same time, it, it goes beyond that. There's more to it than that, isn't it? For sure, for sure. I think that it's the. Um, I would uh, I would say that it's the um, big part of the successful outcome. I'll just add something to that for what you mentioned because it really is. It makes all the difference, right? How we feel and and how how rewarding things are because that puts in the passion and you know paying attention to the details and so on. When it comes to cosmetic dentistry, one thing that I learned very quickly is that it's not just about 
the smile looking pretty. It affects quality of life in ways that I've never imagined, right? Because if if you haven't experienced what it takes to be unhappy with your smile, it's really hard to comprehend how it affects and impacts your life as a whole. I suppose. So yeah. when it comes to cosmetic reconstructions or rehabilitations, I've had patients come back after going through, going through these cosmetic transformations and say, my work life is completely different now. You know, my relationships at home are completely different. Um, when they come in for their consultations, one thing you notice right away is they have their hand covering their mouth whenever they smile or laugh because they're not comfortable with smiling, right? They're unhappy with the way it looks. Right. And it's amazing to see when you talk about rewarding, one of the most rewarding things that I see is after going through that sort of rehabilitation, whether it's cosmetic or functional, them coming back and smiling with no, you know, with no hiding or just being proud of that smile is is amazing to see. It's 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 really rewarding. Yeah, let's talk about options for a minute because you've mentioned a few already and it used to be either or. It used to be either you were going to go the dentures route or you're going to have implants and that was it. There were there were no in-betweens, there were no combinations even possible. But now with especially the ability to literally manufacture whatever you need, any kind of combination is possible. Yes. Pretty much, pretty much. And that gives us a whole range of flexibility that we've never had before. So instead of having one or two or three options and then having to categorize people into those boxes, right. what we now do is we look at the individual as a unique individual and their situation is unique. It's never the same. And we can combine different treatment modalities to give them the best treatment possible for them and their unique situation. It makes a huge difference in terms of the quality of work that's done and how it does long-term for, for that person. Indeed. Dr. Tarzamani, as a dental surgeon, do you see children very often? And I'm thinking specifically of children who get banged up playing sports and so on and actually have a tooth or two knocked out. Do you see that? Well, not very often. Uh, usually, like the periodontist is the person that will see the children. I see um, children in age of, I would say, like... Um, 10 to 12, if they do have impacted teeth that oh, okay. they need to be exposed for orthodontic purposes, and I can like surgically expose those um, impacted teeth. Okay. Uh, Dr. Red, I want to talk to you about teeth in one day or all in four. I think they're sort of, that means the same thing. Uh, but this is a concept that really needs to be understood because I think the part that I find most difficult to comprehend, and it's a pretty basic reaction, is the pain factor. Because you have this, talk to us about how it works because it all happens. I mean, you, you do require a preliminary visit or perhaps two, but once that's over, the whole business gets done literally in one day. So walk us through it. Sure. So the concept of teeth in a day, or as you mentioned, all on four, all on six, all on X, whatever the number is, it's the idea that a patient walks in one day with a failing dentition, which means that they've either lost all their teeth or are in the process of losing all their teeth. Okay. And they come in on that day after having the initial consultations and records taken. And and in the procedure's all done where we place a certain number of implants depending on that unique situation and we give them a fixed set of new teeth on that same day. Whether that's all the upper teeth or all the lower teeth or all the upper and the lower teeth, they get teeth in a day and they walk out with fixed teeth on that same day. And that includes having walked into the clinic that morning with still possibly some of their own teeth still in their head. Sometimes a full set of failing teeth. 
And it's quite amazing because they'll usually come with a family member or a friend and then they'll drop them off early in the morning and pick them up, you know, towards the afternoon. And they'll have transformed in a matter of hours with a completely new set of teeth. Well, see, and this is where this is where I hit the brick wall because it's got to hurt. <laughs> I've had a tooth pulled and it hurt like blue bloody blazes. And I, I can't imagine having more than one pulled. And then on top yeah. of all that, new stuff put in on top and I'm supposed to walk out the door smiling. Yeah. And I can imagine I would, but I just can't imagine it not hurting. So how does that part work out? Well, if we if we think about it just from a logical perspective, what's the thing that hurts the most after you have a tooth removed? It's your tongue getting in the way. Oh, yeah. It's you chewing onto something and food getting in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's areas Dry that are irritating the wound. Is a problem Absolutely, for some. Yeah. Right? It's like if you if you think of a wound on your arm, if you continuously apply things to that and keep poking at it, it's obviously going to hurt. Right. So that's that's where that's why teeth extractions hurt sometimes. The reason teeth in a day are easy to manage in terms of pain is because we place the implants and then there's a fixed set of teeth that are holding those implants together, giving them cross arch stabilization and acting as some sort of barrier or bandage, if you will, that stops food from getting into that surgical site. Right. And that's why for a lot of patients... And removing the irritation factor. Exactly. So for a lot of people, it's a very comfortable experience. It's not that they they don't need, for example, simple painkillers for a day or two, but what I'll tell you is we have a lot of people that come back after a week or two and we're checking on them and making sure that they're doing well. Mm-hmm. And they're just surprised saying, uh, you can't imagine how surprised I was at not needing to use any of those painkillers you gave me. Right, I right. only had to use them for a day and then I didn't need them anymore. So it's it's pretty amazing, but it also makes sense, right? Dr. Tarnamasi, talk, talk to us a little bit about these implants. You mentioned it to us during the break. You do a lot of implant prep work. And and I'm just following up on all in four or all in six. So each implant doesn't necessarily have its own little stud thing. You can actually put one of those, uh, I don't know the proper word for it, but you know what I mean, the little mm-hmm. uh, little screw that yeah. you put into the bone that holds the crown in place. So it can, one screw can hold more than one tooth. Is that, the, is that the case? I didn't understand this up until Faraj just started talking about it a few minutes ago. Yes, it does, depending on how we are treatment planning the patients. My terminology is awful, so you're going to have to, but I'm speaking layman here. I'm not speaking dental. Sure, that's all good. Okay. So, um, well, yeah, depending on uh, the uh, what type of treatment we are planning for the patients, yeah, not necessarily for every um, single tooth, we need one implant to be replaced. Um, sometimes we can just have uh, like two implants and replace three teeth with them with having a, basically um, uh, a, a pontic between them. Uh, and regarding the all on four or all on um, six or um, uh, sometimes five implants. Again, it's depending on um, how many um, like implants are going to be placed to support the prosthesis that we have planned for them. But to answer your question, yes, we don't need um, to replace every single teeth with implants to uh, properly restore the patient. Interesting stuff. And I did not know that up until right now. Um, how much of this, if any, uh, Dr. Edder, is covered by dental plans? Because uh, it varies uh, depending on, for example, whether you're going dentures or implants. There are certain coverage realities with certain dental plans. 
Give us the, the, the picture behind that, because I know one of the original consultation uh, sessions always includes an exam. What's the problem? Let's have a good look in here. And then we're going to explain how it can be fixed. And in that process, here's how much it costs. A Option A costs this much. Option B or C uh, costs. So talk to us a little bit about that. Like you said, first visit is where we do a consultation. We do a full examination. We take whatever x-rays we need to do. We take a three-dimensional radiograph, a CBCT, um, that's included in our consultation. So we ta- we get all the information and then present all the different options. Sure. The In terms of insurance coverage, it depends a lot on, obviously, the insurance provider. Right. But if we're talking if we're talking dentures or crowns or fillings or things like that, a lot of that is usually covered. When we talk implants specifically, the actual implant portion is very rarely actually covered, unfortunately, okay. by insurance providers. Um, some of them will cover the teeth that sit on the implants. Mm-hmm. So it's really a variety of different possibilities depending on the insurance provider. Okay, but again, all of these facts are made available to everyone who comes right up front. No surprises, uh, no no hidden anything. No, we, we give them all the different options because in the end what we want to do is provide a service that improves their quality of life. So we give them all these different options and we help them submit whatever they need to submit to their insurance provider. We wait to hear back from them and then we move forward. Of course. Now, not a very much time left here, but you have a video project you're working on. This is something that all of BC Perio is, is, is getting behind. You're talking maybe 10 minutes, maybe longer. It's an awareness video. Give us a little, give us the 30 second thumbnail sketch of what you want us to see. Yeah, so we're, we're working on a project where we're covering the complete reconstruction or transformation for an individual starting from the very beginning to the very end and what we're trying to do is really showcase how these sorts of more complex reconstructions can improve quality of life for an individual. A lot of times what we find is in the community, um, there's a lack of awareness as to the importance of dental health and how dental health can improve, improve quality of life as a whole. Right. So hopefully this project sheds light on that. Okay, so you'll keep us surprised Absolutely. as to the progress yeah. and where we can go to see it and all that kind of stuff? Absolutely. Excellent. So uh, we, I'm, I'm fresh out of time. I'm grateful for yours on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. Nice to meet you, Dr. Rana Tarzamani. Same here. Thanks for coming by, and uh, don't be a stranger. Come back and visit us again sometime. For sure. Farage, always a pleasure to have you, sir. Were you going to be in Toronto next time uh, you were scheduled to visit? Uh, We don't know yet, do we? I'm not sure, but it's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Sterling. Well, it's it's great to have you. And uh, Oh, by the way, it's bcperio.ca, friends. bcperio, P-E-R-I-O.ca. If you go to bcperio.com, you get a couple of dentists in Dallas named Bubba and Chuck, and it's not going to do you any good. bcperio.ca. And once again, our thanks to Drs. Faraj Eder and Rana Tarzamani from BC Perio for another very helpful visit. Coming up after the news, insolvency trustee Ilya Margolis returns with some practical advice and debt solutions and dealing with debt collectors. Time now for Dooley Noted, and this time around, our producer Ben Dooley has a look at a made-in-BC climate change solution. Thanks, Sterling. It has the potential to be transformative technology, a way to capture greenhouse gas emissions and store them forever inside solid rock. 
The project is called Solid Carbon, and it's being funded in part by the University of Victoria's Pacific Institute for Climate Solutions. Here's Executive Director Sybil Seitzinger. We have to get to net zero, decreasing the concentration of CO2 in the atmosphere because we haven't been able to decrease our emissions rapidly enough. The idea, which is the focus of a number of teams all over the world, is to extract carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and inject it into basalt rock below the ocean floor, where it will turn into rock. It has been done before. Scientists in Iceland have been successfully capturing the CO2, dissolving it into water, and pumping it into basalt rock on land. This project builds on that idea, instead utilizing the oceans, where 90% of the Earth's basalt resides. The project is being called highly ambitious, While the science is solid, there are many challenges to overcome in order to make the process cost-effective. We hope that it will be an industry that will grow here and it possibly could make British Columbia the hub for this particular negative emission technology. It's not the only solution, but potentially part of the big picture that will help to reverse the effects of climate change before it's too late. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Uh, This from the TransLink people. They've released the results of their latest trip diary, which is a look at how Metro Vancouver residents move around our region. The results are based on a survey of over 55,000 people taking more than 200,000 trips. This latest data comes from a couple of years ago in 2017, and it reveals Metro Vancouverites are moving around the region more than ever before, with just under 8 million trips being made every day, which is up 21% from just a few years ago. Fewer of those people are choosing to drive, with car trips down from 59 to 55% of trips. TransLink said while ridership is up about 18% in just the last three years, Transit's share of trips is actually down by slightly under 1%. This uh, explains, in, in to some extent at least, the notion of car and ride-sharing schemes and and, of course, people who choose to go to work on their bicycles. Metro Vancouverites are taking longer transit trips these days. The average ride is now 13.3 kilometers. That's up from 11.5 kilometers just a few years ago. TransLink notes this is all about planning for the future of transportation in and around our region. That is our first hour of Vancouver Consumer for this beautiful Saturday afternoon. A reminder, by the way, we, we weren't joking at the beginning of the program when we said it's snowing and minus three in Calgary right now, because it is. Uh, But even closer to home, there was snow on the Coquihalla Highway last night. If you're planning on driving to the interior of the province, you should know that real winter is just literally out there around the corner. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.